Hi. I feel very honored to be here to receive the Golden Plate Award from the American Academy of Achievement. And it is equally exciting to be in the company of such an amazing group of accomplished people from such diversified worlds. It also gives me great hope to see so many gifted young people here tonight who are so talented because it is you who will shape the future of our country and our planet. As you look ahead, it's important to realize that there's no one formula for achieving success in life. I believe you should follow your own path and measure success by your own standards. For me, success came by being true to myself, my own beliefs and passions, and by not letting the word no stand in my way. When I was very young growing up in Brooklyn, I remember setting goals for myself and visualizing my future. At seven years old, I, I already knew that there was no alternative for me. There was no other way. I wasn't satisfied with my life, and I knew I had to change it. When I first started, I was told to change my name, change my nose, change my clothes, and stop singing those cockamamie songs. And this advice came from people who supposedly knew. It was very disheartening, disturbing, and depressing to be told to do the exact opposite of what my own instincts were telling me to do. It's scary to buck the professionals, but sometimes, as I found out, they don't know what they like. They just like what they know. And they very rarely know you. Only you know you, and that's your strength. Don't be afraid of the fear. I think we're all frightened in some way or another. A common theme this weekend. But it's those who are frightened and do it anyway that achieve success. Besides, fear can be the energy behind doing your best work. And don't think that once you're a success, everyone hands you what you want on a silver platter or a golden plate. Success doesn't ensure that things get easier. It's a constant battle. The first album I made in 1963 was met with the same resistance from the record company as the Broadway album I made 24 years later. The rhetoric, the rhetoric was the same. Who's going to buy it? Nobody's interested. Um, Yentl was a movie that was very close to my heart. Thank you. because it was about a woman's right to be all that she can be. And The Prince of Tides was uh, is a movie I felt very passionate about and dealt with universal themes. And yet, as we said before, Yentl took 14 years to get made. The Prince of Tides was turned down by every studio. And now I'm having a hard time getting a movie made about AIDS. Am I being encouraging? On the, on the positive side, I found out that when something comes from the heart and the kishkas, which is a deep place, it does communicate and it does work, but not without a struggle. So be prepared for it. Maybe that's the way it has to be. Finally, one last thought. It's okay to aim for perfection, but don't count on it. 
I've learned from my own experience as a perfectionist that perfection is imperfection, like the Indian who weaves a flaw into his blanket as a symbol of reality. So now, rather than seek perfection, I strive for excellence, and I feel it is the dedication to the search that is important. Success requires hard work and perseverance, but the reward lies not only in what you achieve, but in the journey itself, what you come to learn and in the lives you touch along the way. One of the things I've learned is that no matter how lofty our goals are, we have to be spontaneous, responsive to what is, to be in the moment, open to what the universe is presenting. As Alan Watts, the Zen master, wrote, with our eyes on the horizon, we miss what is at our feet. So, to sum it all up, what have you got here? You got your obstacles, you got your battles, you got your resistance, you got your fear, you got your depression, you got your turndowns, you got your struggles, you got you and your career. So set your goals for tomorrow and appreciate the present today. Embrace it all, the positives and the negatives, and have a great time. Thank you. Hi, my name is Jennifer Sanchez Salazar. I'm from Danville, California. Um, from listening to your work for so many years, it's obvious that you f have a great deal of feeling for everything that you sing and that your performances are always so inspired. I'd just like to know, has there ever been a time when it's been a routine and how, if so, did you ever get, out, get rid of the feeling of a rut? I don't think I've ever experienced that. <laughs> no, no. It's, as I said, you know, I just remember the, um, you know, all, all the experiences I've had from this first television show when I said, uh, well, it was at a time when there were guest stars because it was 1964 and it was, there had never been a, a one-woman show and especially taken out of a studio. Uh, you know, I said, and I was very young, very very young to, to have this kind of feeling. I don't particularly know where it comes from, I can guess, but, but um, I just said, it, I can't do that. I can't do that routine, that uh, follow that pattern. I'd like to do this. And um, I remember we held out for artistic control. Not money, but artistic control. And um, that's what's always been important to me, to be responsible for what I do. Um, so I, 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 I experienced this, this struggle, and I remember, you know, before it came on, somebody telling my representative, you just ruined her career. But I, I like the edge. I like the danger of it, I guess. I like the risk-taking. So routine is a, a foreign word to me. Great. You. You're, you've been a great inspiration to me. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Thank you. Hi, my name is Paul Massingill, and I'm from Plano, Texas. And you mentioned, you mentioned in your talk just now about a, your upcoming project on AIDS that you were having a tough time with, and I'm sure that that's a topic that is, weighs heavily on the minds of, you know, my generation. And so I was just wondering if you could elaborate on that project and just talk about some of the problems you were running into. It's a, uh, it's, it's a play by Larry Kramer called The Normal Heart. And... Uh, it's, a, it's about the beginning of the AIDS problem. And uh, the, uh, the universal theme that attracts me is about everyone's right to love. Uh, 
I remember just going to the theater when I saw it many years ago and, and just feeling that there's a lot of homophobia around us. And, and I was so deeply moved by this plight and this love story between two men and the tragedy of how our government um, has ignored this problem uh, you know, because the play talks about how the New York Times would put the Tylenol deaths on page one, but the AIDS deaths was on page, you know, were on page 52. And um, I just think it's a, it's a problem that has to be brought out into the forefront, and we need more money for research, and we have to respect everyone's right to love, no matter what their sexual preference is, so... My name is Natalie Heath. I'm from Virginia City, Nevada. I was wondering, with all of your wonderful accomplishments with your Broadway musicals, your many records, and your movies, I was wondering which one was your personal favorite and why? Oh, gosh. Um, I really can't say. Uh, I have a love for each one of these projects that I do, that's why I don't make that many movies. Um, I have to feel passionate about the theme. And I'm now dedicated to making films that are about positive transformations and the potential for human growth. So my last few films were directed in that direction. Uh, Yentl and then Nuts about incest and... and um, Prince of Tides about family dysfunction and how facing one's past uh, can lead towards a better future um, and this AIDS project so I can't say that I have one particular thing that I love above everything else thank you thank you hi I'm Derek Henderson I'm from San Diego hi. California um, a couple of years ago, I read a book called Audition by Michael Shirtliff, and in it he talks about a time when you auditioned for him for a Broadway show of his, and you walked on stage apparently chewing a piece of gum, and afterwards he checked, and apparently there was no gum. Uh, could you please tell us about this and what was going through your mind as you auditioned? Sure. Well, it really started... Um, the first night I auditioned at the Bonsoir, I was 18... And uh, I couldn't get any work as an actress, so a friend of mine told me there was a talent contest. I won this talent contest, and the, the guy who ran the, that place called The Lion took me to the Bonsoir to audition to try to get a job there. And I really did have gum in my mouth. And before I started to sing, I, I, I just took it out and stuck it on the base of the microphone. <laughs> And the audience, you know, went hysterical and thought I planned it, which I didn't. But I, I knew a good thing when I saw it, you know. So when I went to that audition for I Can Get It For Your Wholesale, I thought this would, might be cute, you know. I also, uh, so I, I, I took out the gum. Oh, I did, I think I did, stuck, stuck it on the bottom of the chair. I st sticked it? No, I st stuck it. Yeah, I stuck it on the bottom of the chair. But um, I didn't take it back, so I don't know. You know, these books, there's always a grain of truth.
truth here and there, but it's not quite all true. But that's how it happened. Um, I'm Susan Costa from Chula Vista, California. Um, I can't speak for all the students here, but um, though a lot of these talks and everything are inspiring, I admit I'm a little intimidated by some of the success of the people here. And I'd like to know, when you were a teenager, when you first started to perform with, you know, on TV with big stars, how did you feel? Were you more intimidated or inspired, and how did you handle it? Huh. Um... I think I'm more intimidated now than I was as a kid. It's funny, I don't remember being intimidated. I don't know quite why. I must have had such a strong drive. Um, I never really had any mentors or... I had this need, you know. Who knows what motivates people? I mean, I, I didn't have a father. I didn't like my surroundings, you know, living in Brooklyn... I used to go to the movies on Saturday afternoons and be intrigued with the reality in the movies and, and get out into this hot summer air in Brooklyn and say, this is not for me. I have to, I have to make my world what I want it to be. Um, so I was, and my father died very young and I always thought, God, life is so short. And he was an educator. He was a teacher and a scholar. And... Um, he wanted to do great things with his life and he never got a chance to do them. So that's what motivated me. So I don't think that I was intimidated at those at an early age. I'm Sherry Gosby from Waterville, Maine, and um, some of us in the audience were wondering if your appearance on Saturday Night Live's Coffee Talk was spontaneous, or if you just decided to go up if the actors were expecting you, or what's the story? Um, <laughs> no, I actually had called my friend Lauren Michaels, who's the producer, because his movie was such a big hit. I just called him to say congratulations about your movie. And he says, we happen to be doing a skit that involves you tomorrow night. And uh, I was going to the theater. And he said, why don't you just pop on? I said, no, 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 I can't do that. You know, it's... But it was sort of intriguing. So after the theater, I just went by and I said, look, don't, I, I have to wait till the last minute to see how I'm going to feel. Like, you know, don't push me on or don't tell anybody. So nobody knew I was going to do it. And I was actually, literally, my representative after all these years who's still with me, uh, kind of pushed me. He said, good, good, you know, it's okay. I was just very shy about it. But he was pushing me on. <laughs> there I was, you know, in front of all these people. And Mike Myers knew I might come on, but the two women didn't know at all. And it was really actually kind of fun. <laughs>